In a conversation with a friend last week, he mentioned he got a surprise when he went online, perhaps he was scheduling his vaccination or something, and he looked at his medical profile, which had been changed. And there was a field that used to simply say sex or gender, and now it said gender assigned at birth. We don't have to look very far to see that there's a lot of confusion and chaos in our world today related to issues of gender and sexuality. We have the LGBTQ phenomenon. We have all kinds of fallout from practices such as no-fault divorce, for example. And so our world is awash in this chaos and confusion about these things. And we had a reminder, a very sad and tragic reminder last week, that the church is not immune from these things. Perhaps you heard that there was a mass shooting in Atlanta, and a young man who was clearly deeply disturbed and troubled by his sexual addiction, and at the same time, perhaps a merciless theology that he was getting from his church and not being able to deal with us in a healthy, constructive way, he committed a heinous crime. These shootings in Atlanta remind us that we can't say to ourselves, the church is immune from this. We can't do that. And lest we think that this is just a Protestant problem or all those other people have those problems. We can't say that either. I don't know if you know this, or I don't know if you realize this, but one of the recent school shootings in Texas was committed by a Greek Orthodox boy. I'm not making this up. We can check the facts, and you can see that he was involved in his dance group and things like that at church. So we can't bury our heads in the sand. During Lent, we're reading from the book of Genesis. And this past week, we read through chapter 3, verse 20 of Genesis. And we read some really amazing and beautiful and powerful and deep texts. We read that man and woman were created by God in his image. That is a foundational principle for us, a foundational belief. We read that God created man and woman for relationship because it was not good for man to be alone. And again, that's yet an, an extension of being made in his image because God is a trinity of persons. And so he exists in relationship himself. And if we're made in his image, we're made for a relationship. And as we go through scripture, starting with Genesis, where it is said, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That's the principle, the foundational text for marriage. And we see throughout Holy Scripture how God blesses radical monogamous marriage as the blessed path for people who are embodied sexual people living in this world. It's very clear. And he gives us this as a safeguard and an organizing principle for the unruliness of sexual energy. It's a chaotic, crazy thing. And the further we read in Genesis, we're going to read all about that craziness. So, 
If you're parents of young children, I think probably the most important thing that you can do for them, aside from caring for them and protecting them and all the things that you do for children, is to communicate to them that God made you. He made you and he loves you and his love for you is indestructible. It's my hope and prayer that children will grow up knowing that God loves them just as they have been made, just as they are. For older children, you're out of innocence and you have the ability to to disobey. So we go back to Genesis and we see that not a whole lot of good came from disobedience in the Garden of Eden. God knew it was good for us and we chose to disobey him. So if you're a if you're, a, if you're an older child who has the capacity to disobey, my word to you is to obey your parents. This is simply what we heard, what we hear in our scriptural texts. The only time you have permission to disobey your parents is if they clearly ask you to do something that's contrary to God's will. That's the only time. Teenagers, God bless you, young adults. By this time, you know that your parents are not God. By this time, you've seen all their imperfections. You think they can't do anything right, and, you know, forget about them. You're separating from them, all that. Well, okay, cleave to someone who is greater. Cleave to God. So if you're a teenager or a young adult, cleave to God. Also, take seriously your relationship with your godparents. Take seriously your relationship with older people in the church who are not your parents, who can help you who can guide you, who can be a support for you in this crazy, chaotic time that you're going through where your body's changing like crazy. Parents of teenagers, God bless you too. Watch and pray, watch and pray. And keep living your life according to the precepts of the faith. Keep keep growing in your relationship. I see so many parents that check out after their children are graduated from high school and they think, oh, we're done. That's not right. They watch you for your entire life. They watch you until your time on earth is done. And so there are all kinds of people among us here. Some of you are married. Some of you are unmarried. Some of you are divorced. For those of you who have the ability and the grace to do that, remember that God blesses faithful, radical, monogamous marriage. And some people, if they lose a spouse through divorce or through death, It's too difficult for them to live alone because God didn't make us to live alone. And so the church has granted pastoral flexibility and economy for remarriage up to three times. But some people do have the strength and the grace to, after they lose their spouse, to live a faithful, celibate life on their own. And I hope that you will pray for them and I hope that they will pray for us. So, I could go on, people who are unmarried and living together, people who are widowed. I mean, there are all kinds of different scenarios. But I just will leave you with this. Ask yourself, why would I want to live this life without God's blessing? What could be more worthwhile in this life than God's blessing? What tax break could be worth more than God's blessing? So think of that. And as you look around to the world in which we're living, I encourage you, let's not do a whole lot of hand-wringing and condemnation of outsiders, but rather let's just focus on ourselves 
and focus on creating a stronger culture here in this community, within the community of the church. My favorite definition of culture is the one that Seth Godin gives, which is people like us do things like this. People like us practice these principles. People like this live this way. So I encourage you to do that. And when you encounter people who are not living in this way, remember to live and to speak in such a way that your words in your life are an expression of love and an expression of truth. Because love without truth is not love, and truth without love is not truth. God bless you, protect you, and keep you. And may God give us all a spirit of repentance as we draw near to Holy Communion.